Pit Guys. This week's episode is brought to you by Epoxic Enterprises. Here we are again. Man, we survived. Oh, did we ever. Not only did we survive, but we thrived. That's right. We <laughs> are back from Ultra Fours Nationals event in Davis, Oklahoma. Man, what a trip. Dude, it was it was so awesome. Like, I can't stop thinking about how much fun I had. Everything was well, I say everything. The humidity was not awesome. That really was pretty awful. But everything else was awesome. The Crossbar Ranch off-road park that uh, hosted us. Amazing facility. Loved it. Can't wait to go back again someday. Um, yeah, just just everything about it. So this week we're going to do it a little different. We're, uh, we got a couple of great guest interviews while we were at Nationals, but we're going to kind of sit on those for a couple weeks. This week we are just going to really have me and Hopper sitting in here and we are going to give you like the nitty gritty real life details of what happened in Davis, Oklahoma. The DL, the 411. So uh, buckle up man, this is going to be a good one. Mm. This is going to be funny. Hopefully we don't cry. I mean, dude, this is we're going to go through all the emotions in this one. So, buckle up, guys. Yes. Let's uh <clears throat> let's get started by well, we just started the beginning of the trip. So, yeah. We uh we loaded up into the Class A motorhome, Jeff's Window Liquor Express. Yep. It, what a outstanding mode of transportation/habitation. Slash well, I'm going to I'm going to stop you there, man. Uh, we might have come up with the first flaw in the first couple hours of the trip. Apparently, well, the the air filter doesn't like to get wet in the motorhome. Yeah, it's it's a Ford issue. So, this particular motorhome, it's a Winnebago sitting on a, F5, a Ford F550 chassis with the V10 Triton in it. And the way the intake is set up is it it's like a upside down snorkel uh a reverse snorkel i guess you could say so any moisture in the air gets sucked right into the air cleaner yeah so like basically in the first hour of our trip we broke down Mm -hmm. didn't really break down we just it wasn't happy yeah so it so when we left it was it was like a, a, a blizzard up here right up on the pass birth of pass it was snowing to beat the band and then we get down to denver and it's just uh <laughs> it's a torrential downpour steady downpour so big old class a hauling along with the reverse snorkel action going we pull into best buy's parking lot we do some shopping we come out we get ready to leave jeff hits the throttle and it's idling fine, but then it falls on its face. Yeah. And we're like, what the heck? So we start looking around. Zach, I think you kind of pulled the air cleaner off because we thought that maybe it was acting like A, either fuel supply issue, or B, it was a breathability issue. So you pulled the air cleaner apart and... Technically, what I did was I wiggled it (laughs) that's right that's the technical term all i did was shake it around a little bit and uh so started to work yeah so we pulled the clean air cleaner element out it was soaking wet and because of that it had seemingly fouled the 
MAF, or the Mass Airflow Sensor. I'm not going to lie, that was the calmest full panic mode between you, Jeff, and I that I've ever seen. <laughs> like, all of us totally remained cool, while at the same time, all of us were like, Welp, guess the race weekend's already over on Tuesday at noon. <laughs> well, it's hard to panic when you realize that you're broken down with your house. So you don't, I'm like the whole time thinking, I don't care because I've got a bathroom, there's a shower, there's a kitchen, a refrigerator. I can live here. Well, easy fix. We slapped a brand new air filter in and the Window Liquor Express did pretty good the rest of the way. No issues uh, until we calculated the fuel cost at the end. Yeah. That might be the end of the Window Liquor Express going to the races. Well, going to faraway races. Yeah. We think we averaged somewhere between 1.5 and 3 miles per gallon. So, before everyone just decides that the world is ending, um, keep in mind several factors. One... This is a gasoline V10 engine, not known for fuel economy. Two, it's powering not a brick, but a cinder block. Like, you try to look up in the dictionary, non-aerodynamic, and this is the picture that pops up. Three, we're pulling a fully loaded car hauler with, like, eight different sets of tools, a razor, and all of our gear. And a Honda Grom. And a Honda Grom. So, we're heavy, we're non-aerodynamic, and then we had lots of bad weather all around, so we had some pretty substantial headwinds at times. Other times we had tailwinds, sometimes we had sidewinds and almost blew us off the interstate, but uh, we had a lot of things going against us. The main thing being a V10 gasser. But it was great. <coughs> I mean, that thing is a... I can't believe four dudes in that thing for a mm. week, man. And I don't think anybody ever even really raised a voice at anybody else. No. And I mean, we just, were chill. just for reference, um, the trip down, we stopped over in a magical little cow town called Dalhart, Texas, and we picked up our long lost friend, Dustin. I mean, are we not even going to talk about what happened between Denver and Dustin's house? Well, there were several things that happened, but let's let's just talk about Dustin real quick before we start crying too hard. Um, but yeah, we picked up Dustin, and at that point, that's when the fuel economy really went downhill. Like, ah, all the extra weight. hey all <laughs> All right, so let's back up. Zach, what do, what do you want to bring forward, well, bring to light for our listeners? I don't know that we really need to go into any details, but at about Lamar, Colorado... Uh, two tires fell off of the race trailer. Two wheels and tires fell off. Mm. Uh, we fixed it. We were a good team. I, I, that's all that needs to really be said. Well, uh, let's add to the drama of the situation. It was in the middle of, like, somewhat nearby-ish. Not really nearby, but there were tornado warnings. There were tornado clouds. And it was, like, hail sleet slash pouring torrential it was just like all the horrible <coughs> facets of weather you can get on top of issues with uh running gear but here's the highlight of the wheels falling off we get to spend the night at walmart dude 
that was the best. Incredible. So, I've never lived in a, like, Granby's the biggest place I've ever lived my whole life. And so, staying in a Walmart parking lot, I think I went in and out of the store no less than 14 times. And I'm like, this is what it's like to live in a city where you can go buy whatever you want, whenever you want. The only downside to Walmart is the well-lit parking uh, lot. Yeah. Every time I rolled over in the middle of the night, I thought it was morning. Yes. And also, I'm pretty sure there were a couple methed-out teenagers in, like, riced-out Honda Civics or something. It was about 2.30 or something like that. And they decided to play Tokyo Drift in the parking lot at one point. That was annoying. But yeah. and then we woke up and we fixed the truck tra- or the race trailer man, and we kept on trucking. We got to Dustin's house. We picked him up. He took us to this killer barbecue joint in Amarillo mm. in a gas station. It was great. I mean, it was fantastic. And we uh, we you, pushed. You ordered the bucket o fried okra. Oh man, that fried okra was so good. Yeah. So it was a, a a good time up to that point. We pushed through. Nothing really interesting happened. Uh, we got to Davis Wednesday night, Thursday morning, about midnight. Um, we pulled in. A couple of our other teams we were working with were already there. Josh Smith was there. Matt and Carter from Champ Racing were there. And to be honest, it had been a long two days, so we uh, didn't even really do much that night. We just unhooked the trailer, leveled the RV, Kick, and crashed. It kicked the slides out and went to bed. Yeah. And uh, it was a fun trip down there, man. That's always the adventure of these races is the road trip, right? Yeah. And we got to hang out with Dustin, who we hadn't seen for a little bit. Um, so it was a good time to get there. Now, this is when uh, the fun part is, right? This is what we've worked for mm. for months. So it, I will... I will kind of reference what i said earlier about the mud and humidity that really sucked like we woke up and everything was soggy and i was kicking myself for not bringing my mud boots and there was lumps and chunks and i don't even know if it was raining it was just like the air was wet it was the air was at 100 point set you know 100 percent saturation and everywhere you went, mud just splattered. Like, you couldn't get away from it. Yeah, it's not a place I ever want to live, probably. It's okay to visit from time to time. Yeah. But uh, you couldn't pay me Man, to go there. I can't say enough, though, about Crossbar. I Dude. Mean, that place was insane. That was so... You don't really notice it at first. You're like, you're hanging out... You know, we get in at night. It's dark. We didn't see anything. And then we're just kind of hanging out kind of up by the, up by the, uh, you know, where the camping is and then the pits. And I'm not a racer, so I didn't, I wasn't involved in any of the pre-running. I wasn't involved in anything like that. So I didn't understand. I guess I didn't realize the scope of the, the grounds until after the race when we kind of did some driving around. And then when we left... I was blown away. I'm like, this place is phenomenal. Yeah, it's huge. Huge. I think the, the city of Davis actually owns that facility, is what they were saying. Really? I mean, that's... That's cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, mean, I wish the town of Granby owned something. I mean, we they own some property. Could we build a track on it? The River Run course, maybe? Oh, dude, that would be so awesome. <coughs> Just uh, 
driving race cars through the middle of tiny homes? Hell yes. So this was about the point, uh, Thursday morning when we woke up, you're going to hear me coughing right now and uh, clearing my throat a little bit. Thursday morning was a point when I woke up and I said, ah, crap. My kindergartner got me sick. So I got the old kindergarten cold while we were on the trip. And for those of you who do not have children, don't have children. Because children ruin your life. You will be sick. They man. bring germs home. That's hardcore, man. I I like having kids. We all like having kids. Let's, uh, let's not be too harsh. But they are little freaking germ factories, man. That's and all it's they true. are. I love my girls to death, but there are some days I'm like... Petri dishes, You man. guys <clears throat> need to go take a bath in boiling bleach because you are covered in germs. Oh. I don't know where the germs come from, but they sure show up. So basically, Thursday and Friday, I just sucked it up and acted like I wasn't even sick. Which has now made me continue to be sick longer, but that's alright, man. It happens. And I'm perfectly fine and healthy, <coughs> despite... The germs my children bring around because I eat a lot of vitamins. Despite the fact that we just lived in a shoebox together for a week. Yeah. I I, can't believe you're not sick. Dude, it's vitamins. I take a ton of vitamins. I eat right. I practice my mindful living techniques, whatever those may be. You do your yoga. I sit in my hot tub and... Zach, do you sit in your hot tub Oh, ever? man, you had to bring that up. <laughs> Dude, it was so great. Get back from the races. First thing I do, go yeah, soak in my hot I bet tub. But it was fantastic, man. My hot tub is currently broken, and I am awaiting parts via UPS. Chomp. Thanks a lot. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Hopper, you kind of mentioned it. Thursday, jo- uh, Jeff and Joe uh, went out with a couple other teams. Jeremy Jones took them out. Um they did a bunch of pre-running as much as they could, um, and we really just prepped for the race day, organized our stuff, organized the other guys' stuff, fuel, tires, toolboxes, and such. So Thursday kind of was relaxing for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did clear up around noon, and it, it got nice. The sun came out. Dried out fairly quick. A hundred cars will dry out a racetrack real quick. Yeah. Um, and Thursday, we kind of... Yeah, we just took it easy. I don't remember anything too crazy happening on Thursday. I no, went, I Thursday went to bed was, early that night. Thursday so. was very low key. I drank some whiskey, uh, sat around a smudge pot, tried uh, to burn down a couple campers. That was, dude, you can't burn down stuff when the air is at one hundred percent saturation with moisture. Like, you could have lit a puddle of diesel on a gasoline on fire and nothing would have burnt around it because it's just you can't the air is the air was water so uh we woke up friday morning uh and this was the first weekend we've had a race like this uh basically we were gonna have drivers meeting qualifying in the race all in the same day for the utvs we were pretty pumped about that because we got a lot of good uh, live show feed time just devoted to the UTVs. Uh, it makes for a big, long, hectic day, but we do a pretty good job of getting our ducks in a row, and, mm. and we were prepped for that. I started out the day um, by going to the Ultra 4 Drivers Summit, which was actually really cool. Um, I mean, I, I know we... We praise Ultra 4 on here a lot because we're big fans. We don't love everything that they do, but but we really do uh, like a lot of it. 
And one of the coolest things was sitting in that summit and listening to Dave Cole, uh, you know, the guy that started all this, one of the OG 13s. And uh, he showed us all the financials. He told us where he screwed up uh, in the last year and in the last 10 years. Uh, he told us what he wants to do and where he wants it to go and how we're going to get there for the next 10 years. I mean, he was really transparent and in-depth. And I got to say, man, I've, I've worked at a lot of places and I've been involved in different organizations, and that's that's not normal, um, but it certainly is appreciated uh, from the racer's aspect. You know, we don't we just pay our money, right, to race these races. We don't know where any of that goes, and he... he He'll tell you. Uh, he said, give him a call. He'll he'll tell you what he had for lunch that day. You know, very transparent, and that was cool. And he also had some cool new ideas, um, maybe some stuff that Hopper and I might be working on. Mm. Uh, we're going to keep that on the DL for now, but I think you guys are really going to dig it. Um, you, you know how Lockheed Martin has Skunk Works yeah. and NASA has the Jet Propulsion Laboratory? It's kind of like... We have our own little thing. It's like the pit guy's skunk works. Yeah, we, we got to come up with oh, a killer. A whole new sticker Casey's going to have to draw up for us. Heck yes, we got to come up with a killer name for our our uh, our top secret R&D division yeah. of the, of the uh, pit guys. Well, yesterday I put super glue on a bee, <laughs> but it died. So, quick movie reference there yes. for anybody. Um and then that, that driver summit was really cool, man. A lot of people got to voice their opinions on some issues we felt like we've had this year. And, and you know, UTVs next year going into it, we're going to have classifications. It's not just going to be one UTV class anymore. So we talked about that a little bit. <coughs> and then that transitioned right into the driver's meeting, which, uh, you know, I guess I love going to driver's meetings because sometimes you get to see some crazy stuff. Um or hear some crazy stuff, but this was a pretty, pretty basic driver's meeting, uh, and we walked out of that tent, and we went straight to the race car, and we got ready to run our qualifying lap, and that is pretty much when our whole day got turned upside down, and all of the planning, actually, all of the planning actually worked to a T, but Mostly. we didn't know that at the time. Mostly, yeah. So we we've for those of you that haven't read our race report or, or follow us on uh, social media, we went out to run our I think it was about a mile and a half short course qualifying lap and we made it a, about two tenths of a mile, and then our guys just went right off they just left the track they uh, turned around and went straight back to the pits. So. Yeah, it was it was a little at first it was a little chaotic because a little bit of non-planning on my part. I didn't have a handheld radio, so we had no way to communicate with our team, with our crew, you know, with the driver or the co-dog because I'm sitting there like, "Eh, what's going to happen? Yeah. What? It's qualifying. Everything's fine." So, we're sitting there Zach and I are sitting there and I'm like, "Hmm." Well, there goes that car. Oh man, there's that car. Have you seen? Have you seen Jeff or Joe? I'm like, no, they're probably over there. And we're like, up, oh, they're not anywhere to be found. So we headed back to the pit, and there they were. <laughs> and to our dismay, a twisted front drive shaft. 
Yep. The uh, this is the same issue that got us in our first race at uh, Montana. Uh, it happened at mile three in Montana of the race, and we were fortunate enough with that track that we were able to two wheel drive the whole thing and, and finish that race. I think in tenth place. Mm -hmm. We still got a good result in two wheel drive. Um, we thought we had fixed the issue, but but apparently we hadn't. We had the exact same thing happen again now i will say this is frustrating and as upset as we were at that instant it was actually a real blessing because mm. we had two and a half hours yep. of non-race time to fix that car yeah. whereas if it would have happened during the race we'd been done yeah there's no way we could have done yep. uh, the second part of the lap in two-wheel drive uh, and it would have set us back so far on the time that mm -hmm. we, we just wouldn't have completed it all. So we got it we got it pulled apart. We're Man, trying... we pulled that drive shaft out like oh, rock stars. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out what the heck we're gonna do, okay? And you know, we're I'm sitting there, you know, I'm kind of the fab the fab branch of this whole operation. And I'm like, all right, Hopper, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna fix this? I'm like, well, we could not fix the part that we broke. Yeah, it so was destroyed. The 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 actual drive shaft was destroyed. However, inside the race trailer was another drive shaft that had been improperly made. Um, so the dimensions were off. It would not fit. But we got to talking too and long. Just it was, it was just too a long. Bit too long. Yeah, it was too yeah. long. And Joe and I were talking. I'm like, dude. I bet I can cut this down. I'm like, Joe, you need to find us a welder. I'll get this sucker cut. And the whole time thinking, like, what the hell am I doing? Because everything that I know says, do not do drive shaft work with a freaking angle grinder in the middle of, you know, the pits, outside in the field. Like, that's not how you do it. That's, on a picnic table. On a picnic table, no. You, to build a drive shaft properly, you need to have, like, balancing machines and this and that and jigs and a lathe. So, I start, you know, because a drive shaft, it's a hollow tube, and it's got, like, a like the, the, the splined end, like, a little bung that just welds into the tube. So, um, Joe started looking around to see who had a welder, and I started going to town getting the weld cut. And then we got the, once the weld was cut, we got that, uh, the bung, the splined bung separated, the drive shaft end, whatever you want to call it. Now keep in mind, this is, even though it's a half inch too long for us, this is a perfectly good drive shaft, about $900 worth of drive yeah. shaft here. And we're just hacking it up. Yeah. So before I started hacking on it, Joe, being the mastermind of the numbers, knew exactly where the cuts needed to happen so he got to work measuring it out um and then use we had some painters tape so he was able to make me some reference marks so we had a reference mark we had a back reference mark and we were pretty well set up you know as far as as making sure we had the right places to cut so i made the cut i cleaned it up you know got everything ready to go and then we drove that splined in back into the tube after we removed the inch or two that we needed to and then we were looking for a straight edge 
to make sure it was, you know, true. It was straight. But I was like, hey, let's put it on this picnic table. Just roll it back for They're like, Joe, eyeball it. I'll roll it. You eyeball it. And he eyeballed it. And he's like, oh, here's an adjustment here. Here, we tapped it this way, tapped it that way. And guess what? It looked perfect to the naked eye. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm still impressed with how straight it was. <laughs> so then Joe grabbed that drive shaft. And he ran over, and I'm not kidding, man. These dudes saved our race. He ran over to the Campbell Racing Trailer. Uh, he found Waylon Campbell standing there. And Waylon said, I'll weld it up for you right now, man. And uh, that dude uh, didn't take anything uh, except for us asking him, can you help us? Yeah. And he freaking helped us big time. Freaking rock star so, saved our bacon and the weld was beautiful on yeah. top of it so when uh while joe's doing that we're basically laying everything out how we're going to reassemble because we had to put the drive shafts back in the clutch cover back on the skid plate back on and we had to button all this up and we were down at this point to about 30 minutes before the start of the race and Joe got back, the drive shaft was still hot mm-hmm. from the weld. <laughs> yeah, we had to be real careful with it so we didn't burn ourselves putting it back in. Yeah. And I didn't, well, last thing I wanted to do is, is to douse it in water to cool it because, you know, if, if you don't know, just a little little hint here, if you're doing welding or you're doing something like that and you got to heat metal up and you got to move it around, don't cool it rapidly. Be, uh, well, depends on the situation. If you want to harden something, or you want to, you know, change the the uh, composition of the metal, then you can dump water on it, and it will change things. However, dumping water on a drive shaft to cool it rapidly is a fairly bad idea because you make it you make that weld area really hard, and because of um, the type of metal it is made out of, you also make it somewhat brittle. So you want to have a little bit of flex in there, as opposed to you know, having it being super hard because hard metal will just crack and shaft, uh, crack and shear off. Whereas if there's a little bit of play in there, it's gonna it's gonna move around a bit and have a little bit of give. So we didn't dump water on it because we wanted to maintain the integrity of of <clears throat> the steel tube. And because of that, it was kind of playing hot potato for a few minutes. Yeah, but we got her all back together, man. It was like a NASCAR pit crew. Uh, you know, we had. You and me and Dustin uh, was helping us out. Dan Young from Epoxic, man, he was elbows deep into our car. I think at one point, like when we were getting close, I I told Jeff, time to get in the car. And so Jeff left. And Joe continued to work. And I think it was Dan Mm -hmm. Young that yelled, Joe, get in the car. Like We were putting the last screws in as they were buckling up. Yeah, Dan (coughs) Dan was there helping us and... Every time something's going on, Dan's there helping. Like, yeah. what a guy. Just always there helping. Alan showed up to see what the heck was going on. <laughs> and I think he was laughing at us a little bit. But uh, he was there helping out. Yeah, and then uh, we got those guys over to the starting line. And they were there five minutes before the scheduled drop of the green flag. Dude, I it mean, was just incredible. Literally, five. I'm, we're not ma- we're not being dramatic. We're not making this yeah. up. It was literally five minutes on the ticker. I it was so freaking close. At that point, man, I didn't know if I was still angry about the failure. I didn't know if I was like super pumped about how well we all performed under pressure. 
uh, I really just wanted to sit down at that point. I was I was flying high as a kite because I had just performed, well, mostly performed. The, the welding part was left out, so I wasn't part of that. But everything else, I performed a freaking bush fix on a drive shaft. Like, that's an accomplishment for me. However, at the same time, I was incredibly nauseous because all I could think about was, if that shaft fails guess whose fault it was it's hopper's fault (coughs) well and we knew if we didn't hear from them in the first 10 minutes we were probably good and then so we checked in we did a quick radio check you know as they went to line up and there's a you know they were obviously minding their speed through the pit area and whatever but they're like yeah we felt no vibration so that made me feel a little bit better instantly like hey they didn't feel any massive vibrations so that was good yeah so uh, we headed back over to the pits. Uh, for anybody that watched the live feed or wants wants to go back on YouTube and watch Ultra Four's live feed, you will notice that because Hopper and I set up at eight in the morning that day. Thankfully, we set up at eight in the morning. We got the number one pit stall. We got a ton of camera time. It was awesome. But even more important, when I was at that driver summit, you and Dustin went and set up all our toolboxes, yep. the comms, everything. If you hadn't done that when Dude, you did that, we, we wouldn't... The pits wouldn't have been ready. Yeah, we'd have been doing that at the beginning of the race. Yeah. And that's not how the pit guys roll, man. No, we like to be set up. We know we we know what we like, and we like to be ready to go. And at some point in there, we were... Obviously, for this race, we were pitting for Rocky Mountain Speed and Fab. Uh, we were pitting for Helping Pit for Josh Smith. And we were pitting for uh, Matt at Champ Racing. Then at some point in the morning, a fourth car came to us, a local, a guy that works at the track, uh, and that last minute they were like, hey man, if you want to run this race, you can run it, and he didn't have a crew or anything. He literally gave us a five-gallon gas can and said, hey, all I need you boys to do is just put this in when I come in, and so we technically pitted for four cars. Yeah, that was crazy. It was crazy because as the race progressed... um, the nearly impossible happened. Uh, when we pit for these multiple teams like this, we have the discussion. Look, um, whoever comes in first gets serviced first. That's the way we like to roll. In this instance, uh, with Nationals and Josh and the points hunt, everyone kind of seeded to if Josh is in the pits, Josh takes preference, get him in, get him out the fastest, and then it will be an order of operations. So we've discussed having multiple cars in the pits at the same time. We've never seen it. We never expected it to happen. The first pit stop, we pitted three cars pretty much two at the same time and and the third one coming in as soon as the other two left. I mean, it was... I felt like freaking Michael Jordan, man. Dude, it was intense. Like, there were a few few little technical slip-ups here and there because it was just the sheer amount of chaos but it was a we made it a fast pit uh clean pit and got the drivers back out on the course with what with what they needed i was i was pretty darn proud of myself afterwards i mean like i said it was it was chaotic but yeah so when uh our guys came in josh came in first uh we were changing a tire fueling them up our guys rocky mountain speed and fab came in second and they had to wait for about a minute, and I went over there and I talked to them, and uh, 
I said, asked, how's the car? How's the car? Everything okay? And they were like, dude, it's freaking perfect. Mm. Everything is running great. Um, at that point, we had we started 31st out of 32. And at that point, we had really started to pick off some cars. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about... There were guys dropping out that we were passing, but Joe was passing people on the course. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was getting with it. Yeah, Joe was... You know, Joe's a fairly new driver, but he knows how to drive. I was looking, I've got the GoPro set up on the car. Um, still a few technical issues to work through with the GoPro setup, but, you know, getting to the point where I can pretty much uh, see and, and, and hear what's going on. And, man, Joe's really coming into his own as a driver. And Jeff is Jeff has got some sort of, like, magic I mean, they're a great team. Like, it's the dream team. I'm kind of biased because it's my team, right? But at the same time, like, these guys these guys got it going on. And I'm not going to blow, you know, toot our own horn here, but I feel like we got a similar thing going on in the pits. Dude, no. Don't, don't even go there. We're going to toot that horn as hard as we can because guess what? We're the best pit crew you ever did see. And I will <laughs> say that right now because guess what? If you're not first or last... It's it's true, and uh, you know we progressed through the race. Things went well. Uh, Josh had another little technical issue with a, a tie rod in that that we all jumped in there. And all of us plus uh, some guy I I'd never seen before and I haven't seen since. I don't know who that guy was. He had a flannel shirt. Yeah, he had a flannel shirt, and he was in our pits. So whoever you are, mystery man with the flannel shirt, thank you for your help. But. Uh, you know, we made it through the rest of the race, and as the race went on, dude, people did start to drop like flies. Um, I think that the most tense part uh, of the race after we started and knew we weren't going to have a drive shaft issue again was uh, it got to the point where we knew we were going to have to pass through the pit one last time before mm. Josh yeah, so that we would be allowed to finish the whole race. This is a Grand Prix-style finish. Um, and so there was, there was, as the sun set and it got dark, we were definitely on our guys like, okay, it's time to go. The car's good. You're good. Let's make up some speed. And I think our guys fastest laps were in the dark. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, Josh Smith ended up winning the race. Mm. Uh, like I said, he was in contention for the national points he did everything he had to do. He won the race. He got the most points. Um, Jake Versey came in in 12th, and I think he just uh, held on to the lead. I think that they were telling us if he'd have gotten 15th, uh, Josh would have won the points. So he was so close. Mm. But, you know, I've, as we've said with Josh before, man, what a great young kid. I mean, he took it all, man. He didn't. He wasn't going to talk bad about anything or I could have done this or I wish I would have done that. He won the race and he took second national points and he was super happy with that. And man, he had a great weekend. He mm-hmm. had a, a great year. Um, so we were pretty pumped, man. He came in and he got that trophy and hey, we helped this guy, you know, pit. So we're a part of that too. And that felt good. You know, one of the feelings I have, like when I'm in the pits and I'm, I'm looking out um, you know, we, we have a pretty good team going and, and if you're listening, Jaden, thank you for your help with the fuel. Like 
That's awesome. I don't fit into fi- fire suits. I don't have a fire suit I fit into, so I can't fuel. <laughs> so thank you, side yeah. note. Anyway, um, like I feel like a daddy chicken or something. They're all my little my little chick babies out there running their cars, and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, well, look at those kids go. They're doing so great. I'm just so proud of them, and they come through my pit, and I take care of them, and I listen to them on the radio, and I feel... I just feel like a proud parent when they come through and do good. Especially when they win the race, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's fun. I was beaming. Um, but that wasn't even the best part of our mm. night. Uh, now, <laughs> somewhere in between there and what and what we're going to get to, uh, Matt and Carter came in with Champ for their last pit stop. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm definitely not throwing Matt under the bus here. He's one of the toughest dudes I know. I've seen him race hammers twice. Uh, he does not quit. That is not in his vocabulary, but he came in for that last pit stop and he said, "Guys, I don't, I don't think we can continue. I don't think we can keep going." And we said, "Well, what's the problem?" And he said, "Well, first of all, my headlights suck. They don't work. They're pointed straight up in the air. I can't see anything." So we tried, like, "All right, we'll fix it. We're the pit guys. Grab some zip ties. Let's go aim those headlights. Let's do what we need to do." I'm like, "Nope, that's not happening. All like the plastic broken and torn and..." There's nothing to zip tie to. Yep. And so then the second issue he said was, my GPS is dead, guys. I got no GPS. I cannot run this last loop without GPS. You went and grabbed the battery pack. Yeah. We got them those, plugged in. One of those big fat battery packs for charging yep. your cell phone. And so we plugged that into his navigation system, gave him some juice because, yeah, the car was just kind of falling apart. Yeah. So then you'd say, okay, Matt, what, what else? And he's well, I got this one other problem, and I, I think it might be a deal breaker. My steering wheel is coming off. I'm like, what do you mean your steering wheel is coming off? Well, the six set screws that hold the steering wheel on, I think four of them, three or four of them were gone. Oh, crap. How are we going to fix this? And so basically, we just took the two or three that were there and we went, wrenched the crap out of them mm-hmm. as tight as we could. And he said, well, that's all fine and dandy, but I still got no lights. And we grabbed the DeWalt uh, worksite light that we were using in the pits for our light. Uh-huh. A little tripod, maybe three, four feet tall, runs on a 60-volt battery. We shrunk that sucker up, and we shoved it between Matt and Carter. We zip-tied the front. We bungee-corded the back. And we said, dude, is this bright enough for you? <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, it is. <clears throat> and that dude took off and ran the last loop of the, cra- the course. With a DeWalt job site headlight flashlight, it was awesome. It was incredible, um, and we so we got those guys all buttoned up. We everybody's laughing. I'm sure Matt was a little um, concerned, but he went off anyway, and he started his last loop. About as soon as those guys got out, man, that was the highlight of our day. Coming in was when uh, Jeff and Joe pulled up in our race car. They finished all six loops they ran three full laps no issues with the car not only were there no issues the car wasn't even like squeaking Mm -hmm. i mean the car was perfect when they pulled it in and because of the attrition and because of their pace uh they finished in fifth place dude out of 32 cars it was so nuts like them coming through the checkered flag and then through the finish arch I was it, it was it was really it, it, it kind of a it was I was in a glass house of emotions. I mean, we finished our first race in Montana, right? And uh, 
we had a 40-minute mechanical setback in that race, and we still finished 10th. Uh, and that was great. Like, we were really proud of that. We were happy. But this was, like, on a whole new level, man, because this course, I mean, this course was legit. It, it yeah. wasn't a Hammers, but it was... I felt like it was a lot like Moab. Yeah, very Just technical spots. Like tires, like that, tires, ball joints, and tie rod ends. That's what was killing everybody. And we didn't go, we didn't even lose one tire. Yeah. No flats for the Rocky Mountain Speed and Fab team, which Dude, in a race where all we saw was flat tires, man. Freaking ITP Coyotes. I think part of that's, you know, the great tire that we run. I think part of it, too, is that whether we want to tell them or not, Joe takes really good care of those tires. Yeah. You know, that's that's in the driver's hand for yep. sure. Um, and then the co-driver watching out and being like, hey, picking good lines. Yep. But, man, were we freaking pumped. At that point, like... You, I didn't know how hard we'd been running for how long we'd been running that day. I didn't feel like I had a cold. Like, I mean, I was tired. I was ready to go eat dinner. But, man, we were on top of the world. And we thought it couldn't get any better. And then Matt and Carter pull in, and they finish the race. They were the last car that ran the entire distance of the race. They were in eighth place. We pitted for three cars in the top eight mm-hmm. and uh they all finished all three laps i mean that you saw the attrition in the pits man that that was insane yeah i it was good i just i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it yeah i mean i hope every race we run is is we're that fortunate and i get it you <clears> know <throat> we're gonna have races where we probably have to go like you know scrape our scrape the mangled car off the course i mean that's gonna come someday like we're gonna have difficulties but well think back to moab man we pitted for champ racing and we pitted for robert with berserk off-road and that was a day when neither one of our cars finished a lap yeah they both broke in the first lap and we were out there after dark recovering and i mean that was the total other end of the spectrum but man, what a what a awesome day! I mean, I I can't relate it to people, I guess that that haven't been to these races and seen like what's involved. I mean, we've got almost nine months involved in this build yeah. in this car, and we've got I've got two years worth of relationships that I've built with all these other guys to like make this a big family, and uh, it it just felt like all that was coming together. And and we all kind of achieved our goal. And I thought we kind of kicked some ass while we did it, man. Kind of? You mean, like, majorly? Yeah. It, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. So uh, we definitely celebrated Friday night. We had uh, some Allen Yoders. Mm-hmm. We had some uh, ribeyes. Uh, Jaden, oh our fuel gosh. man. Holy smokes. I... The no. fried rice. Oh, I can't stop thinking oh. about it. I, dude, I, ribeyes, fried rice, Allen Yoders, three top eight finishes. I mean, dude, it just it's never going to get that good again for us, is it? Have well, we, we're, we we're going to work at it. We're, have we reached? Nah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's there's got to be more fried rice in our future. There's got to be some more good finishes. Yeah. Maybe some better fuel economy down the road, but... <coughs> 
Man, the car ran great, though. Yeah. All the people that helped us build that car and get those parts and all the people that let us just, in the middle of the night, text them and message them. You know, guys like Corey Nasso. I mean, you know, Chase and Dan at Hypoxic. You know, these guys, we're just hitting them up, constantly pestering them, asking them silly questions. And yeah. Man, it paid off. And you, you got to give a huge shout-out to Dan and uh, Jeremy Jones because those guys gave – Every race we went to this year, they gave us a ton of help at. And they don't have to do that. They're running a 4,800 car. They're not in the UTVs, and uh, but they help us anyway because hmm. I guess they're cool dudes. Yep. I think they're cool dudes. Baller. But, uh, yeah, man, that was, that was race day. We <laughs> thought we were going to sleep in on Saturday and uh, have a big breakfast. Um, we ended up kind of waking up and being like, we got to record some of these podcasts, man. Mm. So we got, like I said earlier, we got a couple guys. We had come over to the old Window Liquor Express, and uh, we laid down some episodes. We're going to put those out the next couple weeks, I think, while we collectively rest and clean up our tools and trailers and and whatnot. Yeah, that's half the reason I'm over here tonight is to grab all my tea stacks. Dude, I haven't <laughs> I haven't even looked inside that trailer since we which, got home. Which is it's just crazy to think about, you know, you put all this work and effort into it and then you're like you get home and you're like, uh I need a day or two or three just to decompress. Well we had to go to work Monday, man. Well and that's the other thing. Go to work and like there's a thousand emails in the inbox and there's like 800 voicemails and i mean i had two emails and one of them was junk so (laughs) i didn't have that problem but i'm still feeling uh, a little under the weather and man it's just the last thing i wanted to do was go dig around in my trailer but uh the way the road the trip home for us i mean i know we kind of talked about the trip out there the trip home was not that interesting yeah um you did seize control of the motorhome i did i did it was glorious uh we we just saw hopper's uh video doing stuff with hopper the latest episode really goes over race day pretty much the same stuff go go to youtube check out doing stuff with hopper um, there's a couple shorter videos before kind of where I chronicle like the trip out there and then like that weird day of nothing going on for us. We're just hanging out. So a couple shorter videos and then uh, the video I just posted up is the kind of the recap from the pit guys eyes. You know, there's not a lot of glamour there, but there's Man, a lot there's of some, excitement. There's some great footage from the GoPros in there. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's every race I get a little better with the GoPro. Had some technical difficulties with one of the GoPros. Had some bad audio, but I was able to call PCI and they're helping. They helped me through it. Got me some more parts ordered to make that better. So in the future, um, that's going to be better. Figure out one of my GoPros has an internal circuitry problem, so it doesn't run off of external battery. Um, but that's been alleviated cause I got another hero nine coming. So there's a lot of big stuff coming and doing stuff with hoppers world and mainly to the effect of better videography. Well, I think that, uh, this was your finest work. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I was pretty excited about it and like I was watching it and a little tear came to my eye cause I was so proud of my boys. It, w- it was epic, man. And uh, so along with the podcast recap, you're doing stuff with Hopper recap, the 
essay that I wrote for Dude, our that, verbal, like our, our the report social you media. wrote that was solid. Zach just Oof. sat in the RV typing away furiously. You know and how hard it is to type on a laptop in an RV? <laughs> it was swaying in the breeze, and oh my gosh, but Zach was a champ. So, uh, yeah, man, we're just, I figure if we just keep on this uh, social media podcast YouTube kick, like, we're just going to have to go places because we're just going to annoy so many people and just force them to I mean, watch our stuff. That's what happens when you start a multimedia conglomerate. Yeah, I mean, here we are. Security. <clears throat> I mean, we do it all. Security, we do entertainment. <laughs> That's a second reference to that movie in this, uh, <laughs> this episode. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as what's next, you know, for the race team and kind of, you know, stepping back and saying what do we need to do better next time, you know, we've got a few months um, off. We're definitely going to be at King of the Hammers. Um hmm. Tentatively, it sounds like we're going to have three to four cars, maybe a fifth car to race there, um, all in the UTV class. Uh, we got a couple of good episodes with uh, our new friend, Cody Quattlebaum. We mm. met him at the race this weekend. What an awesome dude. I think that one's going to be out next week. Um, and then we sat down with Scott Lesage. Uh, he runs the Fox car. That's going to be out in a couple weeks. And uh, then we're going to kind of parade some of our friends through here and have them on episodes uh, as we get closer to the holidays. But uh, we've we've got a couple big names in the works, some guys we'd like to get in here. And, uh, yeah, we're going to keep pushing on this podcast, man. We got great feedback when we were at the races this weekend. Uh, a lot of you guys uh, shared with us that you were listening, and we appreciate that. And I think we're having fun doing this. I'm having a blast. I... You know, you know me. Other people might not know me so well, but I love to talk. If you're going to, I'm going to be the worst old man ever because I'm going to drive everyone bananas. I'm going to be hanging out in Village Inn at like 4.30 in the morning, drinking my morning coffee, annoying the crap out of poor waitresses because I just want to tell stories about whatever. Man, so, you, you know what we didn't talk about on what? the way home? What? J&W's. In Chickasha, Oklahoma. Yes. Oh, man. We found the burger joint that dreams are made of. Oh, so good. They have a meat drawer. Oh, my god. They gosh. make their milkshakes, like, by hand. I have literally, and I'm not, I'm not saying this lightly, okay? When you talk to a fat guy about food, you have to understand that he knows what he's talking about. So when I say <clears throat> that, quite literally... This place has the best vanilla milkshake I have ever had the privilege of putting into my mouth. Literally, the best vanilla milkshake. I don't know if there was like some special crack or something in the vanilla extract <laughs> they were using, but it was so good. I wish that we could get this out there so the ladies and the like fellows that work at J&W's in Chickasha, Oklahoma hear this. But their service was second to none. Dude, so we get there, and we're like, hey, sleepy little diner, awesome. And then I hear this, like, noise, and this shadow falls over the place. I'm like, what is that? It was a tour bus with a volleyball team? Yeah, college volleyball college, team. A girls college volleyball team. And I'm looking around, I'm like, oh, 
snap. The wheels are about to come off this train. But guess what? The wheels did not come off. I was I couldn't and this is this is old school diner. Like they're still using the paper slips, you know, not the iPad There's Fifteen seats in this place. Yeah, there's not tables. It's you just fifteen seats along like this this bar and that's it. And they're using paper yeah uh, they're not menus. What do you call those dang things? Uh, tickets. Order, order tickets. And they're you know, yelling at each other. They're yelling and running back and forth. Like, they're bussing. They're... Locals coming and going in the meantime. I mean, it was incredible. It was amazing. I think Dustin's milkshake did get mixed up for like 15 minutes. <laughs> yes. It, it, they forgot it on there. But she probably filled up our drink cups like 10 times. Dude. Yes. They need to start. I mean, I would be ashamed to lose them in the food service part of the world. Of, of, the sense of things because like we want to eat their food but they should legit start a school for this is how you do it this is how you take care of your customers and feed them at the same time if we ever go back to chickasha we're eating at jnw's and it's pronounced chickasha so if you're listening to this anybody from that area no disrespect when i kept calling you all sorts of weird stuff like chickasha whatever no disrespect it's just, you know, I'm not used to saying, I'm not cultured enough to know how to pronounce it. I wish we could get them to sponsor this podcast. I wouldn't even, like, I just, we got to talk about them, like, every episode. We need to drive back there. We need to I go, want right. to drive my family back there. I know it's a long haul, but it's kind of worth it in my mind. Load up the wife and kids. That was a total tangent. We were totally wrapping up. Yes. And I just, I, that burger, that smell... Oh man, there's the, just mi- the meat drawer. The meat drawer. Oh, it was incredible. When I grow up and I'm a millionaire, I want to have a meat drawer in my house. Yeah. Next to my hot tub. Because then I can eat hamburger. I'm not sure how that would work. I would make it work because guess what? <laughs> I'll be a millionaire. Yeah. And they get to do what they want. Well, anyway, back to the real world, guys. Yep. Uh, we thank you for listening. We know that this is about an hour-long episode, and it's really just Best us. hour of your life. It really brings back all the warm, fuzzy feelings from last weekend, man. Uh, obviously, you know... Oh, yeah, I forgot underwear, too. Oh, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's even... I mean, we got to put it in the podcast now. Hopper wore one pair of underwear the entire week we were going. <laughs> it was awful. No shower, 110% humidity. I just pray that you threw those things away. <laughs> they disintegrated. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mom and Dad. That is not probably what you tuned into here. But it's real. They need to know the truth, the yep. nitty-gritty. We're it's normal true. people just like everybody else. We we got a bunch of people to thank. We're not going to list them all here. But thank um, you. You know who you are. Yeah. Thank you. To Most importantly, we need to thank our wives. Uh because, man, we go to these races, we're gone for a week, they stay home, they take care of our children, they take care of everything at the house. Uh, I mean, they, they probably do that anyway, because we're... The plus side, though, my wife gets to watch her shows, like Chicago, yeah. whatever. There's like a thousand, there's Chicago Handyman, Chicago Lumberyard, Chicago Fire, like you name it. If it's in Chicago, they have a TV show and my wife watches it. So she got to watch it without me ridiculing stuff. But it's, it's pretty badass. But thank you, Megan. It's pretty badass that our wives let us go do this. I mean, I'm more than happy to let my wife go 
do her thing. I definitely owe her. I think I went to five or six races this year, um, and she really didn't put up too big of a fuss. They let us work on the car, you know, a bunch. So it just, it wouldn't, we wouldn't get to do this without them. And uh, hopefully next year we're going to get to take them to some races, I Heck think. Heck yeah. My my wife's excited to go next year to start going to races. Um, the girls are, they're, they say they're excited, but they're kids. You know, they're probably going to get there and be like, where's my Legos at? Man, I, I think that's the one thing uh, that would have made friday night better is if when we finished with all those cars yeah. if they would have been there i would agree with that um and so maybe next year we can make that happen um you know there's that's the other thing people don't think about just the logistics of and we're a small team there's four of us uh there's one race car there's the logistics of getting to these races and getting home and what we're going to drive and take and People so, don't think about that. So speaking of that, if you're out there in listening land and you you happen to have a line on a Ford, like let's preface this first though, affordable, so older-ish, but a Ford F250 or F350 with the service box on the back of it, let me know. We, I'm in the market for one. We're in the market for one. We might be thinking about building a service truck for hammers. Yep. And a tow rig. There's a lot of things we're thinking about. <laughs> what we're finding is the limiting factor on most of our plans is cash. And I haven't won Powerball yet. However, I haven't played Powerball yet, so there's that. Well, I can tell you this because I've been off having fun the last nine months. I'm basically going to buckle down. Uh, we're still going to keep doing the podcast, obviously, and trying to grow that. But, man, I don't think I'll be taking a day off of work until we go to Hammers at the end of January. I'm going to work as much as I can, build up that time off bank, do a couple side gigs, and that's that's how we make our money to go racing. You know, we, we make it while we can make it. and. It's going to be a long winter, man, because I'm going to be busting some butt to pay for some of these projects. He bussing? Yeah. Zach be bussing. And, uh, yeah, on that note, we really, again, yeah. want to just thank you for listening. Thank uh, you for listening to us as we talk about us. We uh, we will be back next week with a, a kind of a norm, more normal episode, as normal as you can get with us, right? Yep. And, uh yeah just uh keep on racing guys and uh thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week we'll see ya don't forget to look up rocky mountain speed and fab on facebook instagram and youtube you've been listening to the pit guys we'll see you at the races